Thanks for checking out Free Chapel Young Adults. We're so excited to share this conversation with you from our last third Wednesday gathering. We'd love to help you get more connected at FCYA here in Orange County. For more info, just follow us on Instagram or text FCOCYA to 510-510. We hope you enjoy this episode, but be sure to join us next month for FCYA third Wednesday. We'll see you soon. Come on, clap your hands if you're excited to be here tonight. Welcome everybody to Third Wednesday. It's uh, great to see you. Have you checked in with your neighbor? Everyone welcome there. Yeah, shake it up a little bit. Elbow somebody near you. Tell them you're glad to see them. Yeah, we just want to go ahead and welcome everyone to the one and only the 21st night of September. Oh. It, yeah, in God's just divine foreknowledge new from the beginning that we would have Third Wednesday on the 21st night of September, which is actually the reason that Earth, Wind, and Fire wrote that song was specifically for us to have it for hey, tonight. That's that's that has to be how it works. That it must. There's no other explanation. Earth, Wind, and Fire night. We're gonna go out of this place dancing. <laughs> Even if you don't dance, we all can use a little disco in our lives. Can use a little disco. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just like Marco and Morgan were saying at the beginning, I just want to say this up front as well that um, the reason we do Third Wednesdays is. Uh, not to take away from anything else that happens at church or to give anyone a reason not to be a part of anything else that happens at church, but actually to, to feed back into the life of Free Chapel as a whole. And this weekend, we it's awesome. We're doing Divine Conference, our, our yearly women's conference, and that's going to be a really cool... Yeah, woo! <laughs> that, that's going to be a really cool opportunity for, uh, for all the young adult ladies in the room to go to that and just hear an awesome, a couple awesome words from some really great speakers. And we just want to make sure that, that, like I said, we're doing things that are feeding back into the life of the church as a whole. And we want to be a part of what Free Chapel is doing as a whole. Yeah, well, tonight we're going to, um, maybe just by way of introduction, um, I think it's awesome that all of you are here. Maybe you came. One of the um, things that amazes me is that every time that we gather, I uh, meet so many new people and so many new faces. I, I heard uh, one person tonight found out about this uh, because of their dentist. I think that's pretty amazing. Um, and I, I hope I'm not embarrassing you if that was you. But I think that's incredible that uh, there's many people that are here tonight. Maybe it's your first time. Maybe someone promised you free dinner afterwards or you're dragged here wondering what the heck have I just showed up to. Um, I think it's awesome. The reason we've kind of um, done these nights is to gather around really a conversation as young adults on what it means to follow Jesus. And part of these nights are built as a way to kind of peek behind the curtain and to see. I, I realize that many of us with a room this size, maybe not everybody would identify with the label Christian or follower of Jesus. And I think that tonight is a perfect night for you to come because it's an opportunity for you to kind of see what this is all about. Of course, one thing that will be pretty obvious to you is that you showed up to a church as a huge cross out the, out the front of the building. Um, but you'll find out that we are... Um, Jesus people. We're a people of faith. And uh, while we um, kind of welcome you into this space, uh, we're just kind of having conversations on maybe the best way what we can do in terms of following Jesus. And I think that every time that we gather, it's significant. And these are my favorite nights of the month, not because um, they're just young adult nights, but I think that every time that we are able to kind of open up a conversation and talk about what it means to follow Jesus, it's a significant night um, and always significant conversations. That happened. And so we're kind of kicking off a brand new collection tonight in season three uh, from this little uh, booklet here on the Gospel of Mark. And um, we're kicking off a brand new thing that we're calling Jesus in Action. And I do want to make note right from the beginning 
Um, maybe you are involved in a small group and your uh, group leaders have already talked to you about this, but maybe not. Um, we're only in week three of this collection. It's going to take us all the way through December. And so if you are, uh, it's not too late to j- jump in and uh, kind of read along with us um, through the gospel. Our team has put together this little journal um, and they'll be available in the back of the room tonight. Of course, you can download it for free on Instagram, but if you want a hard copy to kind of um, memorialize some of the, the moments that happen and the ways that maybe God is speaking to you as you read through the book of Mark with us. Um, I think it's awesome to kind of have that journal with us. It's just a small fee. I think it's like $99 or I'm just kidding. It's, <laughs> this is such a dumb joke. Um, they're $9. And uh, the reason is because we kind of took the extra effort to put together some, some important things and to do it in a way that's high quality that'll last you uh, not only just three months, but hopefully something that you could just kind of put on the bookshelf afterwards and remember this season. And I think it's cool. You know, each time that we get a chance to gather, we do so um, hopefully with the intent of hearing from God and reading his word. But the next few, um, the next few months of this season and the collection that we're in is going to, we're going to pivot a little bit and do something a little bit different. Um, we have for a long time talked topically about this conversation. So we've talked about things like maybe you're with us this summer in relationships, and summer love. Uh, maybe if you're an old school Third Wednesday attender, you can remember back to previous seasons where we've talked about purpose and calling and uh, finances and getting our money right. And all of those things are important. Um, but we're pivoting this season because I really want to make sure that as a community, um, we are standing upon something solid. And I just believe there's nothing more solid than the Word of God. And I think that part of um, what, we're, what we're after is making sure that we are not just hearing about Jesus, that we're not just following our tradition or somebody's ideas of Jesus, but we're actually opening the Bible and taking the time to read the words and listen to the life of Jesus. Um, and we've kind of been praying about this season and thinking through the book of Mark, and it's actually really cool um, because the book of Mark is, um, yeah, really just, I think, uh, kind of coming around this, this uh, picture of Jesus is pretty different from the rest of uh, the Gospels, but maybe maybe we just start tonight and kind of let's let's give everybody a, a good framework for um, just the Bible. Let's talk about the Bible. We, we went into that a little bit last month, um, but I think any time that we read the Bible, it's um, important. But it's it's kind of a different read, is it not? Yeah, and one thing I even want to say is that if you weren't here last month, we had it was awesome. We had Pastor Landon McDonald here, and you can go back and listen to that conversation that him and Cody had because there was so much stuff there that it, like I even want to go back and listen to it, even though I was here. There's just so he was it was amazing, just unpacking so much about what the Bible is. But I think kind of just the the starting place, and like Cody was saying, just like giving it, making sure we have this framework in place, um, and even just like. Before we even talk about the book of Mark specifically, just sort of like what we actually believe. Um, I, I had the privilege of teaching a class at Free Chapel over the summer for the interns that were here. And one of the like key concepts of the class was that people always only do what they believe. And so maybe just to like say that in a little bit more of a concise way is that right living starts with right believing. And I think one of the most important, like one of the most valuable ways we could spend our time is just sort of dig into that and like sharpen what it is that we believe, be able to like actually understand and even articulate what it is that we believe. And I know that you can speak to this as well, but just like as a, as a base level, I know that we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, that it is infallible and inerrant, which are just words that means that it has no error and that it does not fail. 
And one of the things I think that's especially important about that is when I'm saying that it's about the whole Bible, right? We're not, we don't only believe that about the New Testament. We don't only believe that about the word specifically that Jesus said, but the Bible as a whole, the Old Testament, New Testament, all of it is God's inspired word that's here for us to use. Um, we believe that the Bible talks about Jesus, that he is the son of God, that he came to save us. And we believe that the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, that he's just as much God as Jesus is and as God the Father is. And that the Holy Spirit isn't just some like impersonal, he's not a force, he's not a vibe, he's not like a feeling, right? He's, he's actually a person. The Holy Spirit is a person that we can have a re real relationship with. He has every quality that a person has and like he has emotions the holy spirit has feelings and thoughts and anything that makes a person a person and so we get to have a real relationship with him right here and now yeah and i think that it's important to note like part of you know kind of unpacking this this book it's an ancient book and many times it can come across to us as old or confusing or maybe you've heard people you know kind of talk about it as irrelevant um, but it actually is such a central piece to our life with Jesus. It's not like just a um, addition to following Jesus. We believe that the Bible is like the written word of God, but it's God's revelation to us. So we can't know God without him first revealing himself to us. And so part of the way that God has done that is, number one, through the word of God. And God has inspired human authors to write down his own revelation so if we want to know what God is like, or maybe you're here tonight and you're just wanting to explore um, who God is, or if you've never heard God's voice, it starts with this book, understanding um, the things that God has written to us about himself. Um, but secondly, we believe that, you know, kind of the, the revelation of God comes in the person of Jesus. And part of the picture that we have of Jesus is also found in God's word. And the reading, I think, about the life of Jesus and the words of Jesus are actually really significant because the Bible says that if we want to know who he is or what he's like, just look to the person of Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. I love that Josh hit on the um, person of the Holy Spirit because many times it's one of those funky things that depending on your church background or like what you, um, kind of how you grew up, this is, this is the point of contention for a lot of uh, where the church is at today is like where or uh, what we believe about the Holy Spirit. And I do want to say, as the pastor of this community, just to kind of lay a bit of framework, um, we do believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in what the Bible talks about in the Holy Spirit, that it is the comforter, the presence of God, and the power of God. We believe in those things. We believe that the Holy Spirit didn't stop when the Bible was finished being written, that he actually is still speaking to the church. He's still moving in the church. Please don't get me wrong. We're going to get into a conversation about faith tonight, but we believe here in this place in the miraculous. We believe in, in a God that is able to speak to his people through the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe in a God that's able to heal people, to still turn situations around, to still bring restoration and reconciliation. All of this is possible because of the work of the Holy Spirit. I think it's funny. We've talked about this. Like if I'm ever in the hospital, and there is never a, if there's a diagnosis that I am received with, that, that there is no medication to cure or no surgery that can fix, please do not take me to a church that doesn't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I need somebody to pray for me that God can still work a miracle. And this doesn't stop with the end of this book. We believe here that the gifts of the Spirit continue today, that God still is revealing himself, that God still is speaking and moving and healing and restoring 
I see a few people ready to give me a witness tonight. We believe in this. We believe that part of following Jesus and actually part of the life that God has for us is a life of, of, of faith and it's a life of um, miraculous. It's a life of, of supernatural and it, it should be that way. And I think that part of um, maybe what so often is people will reduce faith in God to something that they can simply understand. And part of the whole you know, idea, and when we're, when we're talking about reading through the gospel of Mark and reading the life and the account of Jesus, my hope is that as a community that we can read through that with some room for the miraculous. Maybe said another way, that we can leave room for things in our faith journey that we do not understand. I think it was St. Augustine that said, if I could understand everything, chances are it's not God. Because we're dealing with a, a God and a being that is beyond even our language and beyond the things that we can understand. So let us not just reduce God to a box of things that we can easily understand or easily comprehend or easily kind of fit into our life, but understand that we could try and explain all day long and we could gather up all of the books of theology, but even it doesn't scratch the surface to actually describing who God is. We can, we can know him truly, but we can't know him fully. That's an important detail when we're coming around kind of understanding the Bible. And we believe that as we read the Bible, that it's the only book that the author is present with us. And that's the Holy Spirit is actually illuminating what these words mean. We were talking a little bit today about the difference between the Bible being um, complex and confusing. You wanna go into that? Yeah, I think that that's one like really important distinction because I think so often uh, people, when, when people are reading the Bible, when maybe you or me are reading the Bible, for sure sometimes I read the Bible and, and or any of us would read the Bible and we have a really like encouraging takeaway and we're like, wow, that's so amazing. God is so good. Or wow, that really helps me with this difficult situation. And that totally is awesome. But I think so many times when we're engaging with the Bible, sometimes it leaves us with questions, which isn't in and of itself a bad thing, but, but we don't always know how to answer them. And it can get stuck like a little, you can, you can feel stuck a little bit in that and having these, these types of questions that you're not really sure how to find the answer to. And it can tend to, to in some ways, turn people off to the Bible um, and just being like, well, it's just too confusing or and it's too old and it's outdated and all these things. And um, what we were kind of talking about is just like what I'll, what I'll say up front is like everything that people like is confusing a little bit, right? Or maybe a better word is complex. Like no one really is a fan of things that are like extremely simple. Everyone, everything that, people like and has a following or gives people the opportunity to lean into it more. And I think that's, that's kind of the way we should be viewing the Bible in, in that sense as well and not be getting turned off by its confusingness or by its complexity, but seeing that actually as an opportunity, like I can go even deeper into this. There's even more things I can know. There's even like more learning and more knowledge I can gain about God. And I think that that is actually something that if, when you view it that way, becomes really exciting becomes like really something that you can look forward to and actually never even stop doing. There's never going to be a moment, like Cody was saying, that we'll even scratch the surface of knowing all about who God is. We'll never even scratch the surface of knowing all about any single one of God's attributes. Like we could never stop learning about just how loving he is. We'll never know the end of just that, let alone everything else that he is. And that's something that actually should be really encouraging to us. Yeah. It's the reason why I've never been able to get into Star Wars. I'm not a fan of Star Wars. I want to say it publicly. I have a confession. I don't like Star Wars. Why? Because it's too complex. 
I don't know all of the things. And every time I go to see a movie, I, I went to, we, I remember one time we, we went to go see a movie and they started talking about it. And I, I didn't realize that it wasn't a Star Wars movie. You know, like, it, I forget what it was. It was some space movie. It was some space movie. And I didn't realize it wasn't a, because of how crazy. Maybe you're a Star Wars super fan or a Marvel super fan. Or what's the other one? Harry Potter. Yeah. Really, anything. I don't know if anybody relates to me. I don't know if anybody feels my pain. Anything that has a sequel, I'm out. <laughs> One is enough for me. And I've just divided the room in two. <laughs> That's just how I feel, you know? Don't kill the messenger. Um, but that's really, I think that's the whole reason that we're coming around um, the Gospel of Mark and kind of understanding, like, the, when we approach Scripture, it's the reason why we felt a conviction in um, sort of our small groups this season to come around and actually study the Word of God. That's what these resources kind of help you to do is there's some journals and some devotionals and some um, kind of tips in, in, in as we're reading. And so we're in week three. We've just, if you're reading with us, um, we're kind of coming into Mark chapter four. And uh, maybe we want to give just some introduction to the book of Mark. It's the shortest of all the gospels. It's also the most fast paced of all the gospels. Yeah, I think that that's actually something that might seem like sort of a minor detail, just that it's, it's short and moves really quickly. But I think that, that actually is like a really big key to understanding the book as a whole. Um, it's obviously called the Gospel of Mark. It was written by John Mark, which is why that's where the name comes from. But it actually would be considered probably to be Peter's Gospel. So Mark wasn't actually necessarily like an eyewitness to what Jesus was doing. He's just the one who like wrote down Peter, Peter's stories. He obviously was an eyewitness, one of Jesus' disciples. Um, and what we kind of get this picture of, just like for some like details, because that's what I like, but the word immediately is in the book of Mark. It's used 40 times. In the book of Matthew, it's used five times. In the book of Luke, it's used twice. And Luke is twice as long as Mark. So it's just, you just jump in. Mark has like a one-sentence summary of the whole introduction. Like in every other gospel, we get this like long introduction of Jesus' family and kind of where he come from and all that. And in Mark, we just like jump right into the middle of his life. And we just are like seeing like action, action, action. And we're just going right through it. And what we kind of get this picture of is like Peter is sitting and kind of telling Mark these stories. And Mark is just, like, so blown away by it that he's like, everyone needs to hear about this right now. And so he just writes it down, like, as fast as he can and, like, packs as much information into it as he can. And he's just like, everyone needs to hear about what I'm hearing about. Um, and, and because of that, it's not that Mark is, like, the worst of the, of the Gospels, right? Or it's, like, the most vague or something. In a lot of areas, Mark actually goes in more detail than, than the other Gospels. But it was like Cody was saying, the first one written, the most fast-paced. And we get this picture that, like I'm saying, Mark was just trying to, like, get it out there. He's just like, everyone needs to know about this. Um, and one of those areas specifically where there is more detail in Mark than some of the other Gospels is he really paints a picture of Jesus, like, as a human. So it's like an understood thing throughout the book that Jesus is God. But Mark will put extra detail into the stories of like Jesus's emotions and Jesus's thoughts and all these things that are really emphasizing his humanity. And we kind of see that that's like 
what Mark is so blown away by is not just that there is a God, but he's like, God is here with us. And that's just like, is the, the one sentence of like, that blows his mind. And he just like writes his book as fast as possible to try to let everyone know that, that God is right here with us. Mm. Yeah. And there's a lot of detail that Mark paints of the, not just the things that Jesus said, but the life that he lived. And I think that's, I think an important thing to pay attention to. It's why we've called this whole collection, Jesus in action. Um, to, to kind of understand, like, um, not just following Jesus in the sense of the, the teachings that he would give as if Jesus is just a teacher or just kind of some ancient proverbs um, and listening to the things that he would say, but actually paying attention to the life that he did lived. How did Jesus spend his time? How did Jesus interact with people? How did, what, did, what were the things that Jesus was most concerned with? All that is a, a great picture um, kind of through the book of Mark. And so that's kind of the introduction. We get to Mark 4, which is where we're going to land tonight. And it's it's actually almost like a little bit funny what we're saying, that it's that Mark is about all the action and all this, and the section we're going to talk about tonight is specifically the section of Mark that is his teachings. Um, it's like where it takes a break from the action and just kind of goes through a couple of, of the teachings that Jesus gave to the, the crowds that were following him. Um, and maybe if you just want to speak to that and the fact that what we were talking about earlier, kind of people's experience with the Bible as a whole, it being maybe confusing, maybe complex, actually might have been very much the same way that people were feeling in this moment listening to Jesus talk. Sure. Yeah, and Jesus jumps in and kind of the passage that we're going to get to tonight, and we'll read a little bit, um, but he, he kind of jumps into Jesus has his own like collection that happens in Mark's chapter, Mark chapter 4 where he goes through four parables, and a parable is just the Bible kind of word for allegory or story. And Jesus is telling um, sort of what the kingdom of God is like, and he relates it to um, four different stories. And we'll kind of unpack each of those stories, but I do think it's an important detail to pay attention to of what, you know, kind of the way that Jesus begins to teach, because it comes right off the back of something else pretty uncommon. And Jesus chooses to teach using this method of stories um, called parables to, to teach us kind of the secrets of the kingdom of God. Yeah, to maybe just give like a little bit more detail to the context here. It's like I was saying, it's just that we jump right into a bunch of action. And I think even um, in, in our small groups, if you guys are going through these books in, in a group with us, uh, the last small group would have been about when Jesus heals the, the paralyzed man who gets lowered through the ceiling of a house, which is a crazy story, right? And so we go from that and then into Mark chapter three, we see like Mark chapter three is like the opposite of what happens in chapter four, right? So chapter four, I was saying, we kind of take a break from the action. Mark chapter three is just like, it's just, it's only action. There's no, like almost no talking even in between it. It's just like event, 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 right? And so what's interesting though about Mark chapter three specifically is that we see Jesus performing miracles, doing these amazing things, but in each one of them, there's the detail of the Pharisees being present there and, and their response to it as well. So it starts off with, with Jesus healing people, with Jesus like multiplying food, and we see all these stories. And in, at the end of each one of them, we see the Pharisees just getting like more and more against what he's saying. And this sort of comes to like a climax right at the end of chapter three, the last section of chapter three. Jesus casts demons out of a guy who's possessed by demons, and the Pharisees' response is like, "Oh, I I get it now. You're Satan." And they like say that to Jesus. They're like, oh, we understand how you're able to do all this. Now you're actually possessed by the devil. Um, and so this is like the peak of this, this conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees. And, but it's an interesting thing that that's what happens. And right after that, Jesus immediately then goes into speaking in parables to the crowd that's around him. 
And it's sort of as if, like, all these previous, the buildup here has just been the Pharisees making it more and more clear where they stand. It's just like they, their position is becoming more and more clear to whoever is reading the book that they are just automatically against what Jesus is doing. They aren't like looking at it, trying to decide if it's good or bad. They're just automatically to them, it's bad. Haters. Yeah, absolute straight haters. The ops. <laughs> <laughs> and and kind of what we see is is Jesus going in and speaking in parables now, and that's kind of why I brought up the question of of or why we were talking about this, to- this concept of like it being confusing or complex. The Bible, as well as parables, they, neither one of them are intentionally confusing, right? So Jesus in this moment is not speaking in a way where he's trying to like hide the truth from people or he's trying to be vague. It's nothing like that. The point of a parable actually is to reveal truth to people who are there ready to listen with a soft heart. The problem is that when you're there listening and have a hard heart, the truth just gets more and more confusing to you, to, to the Pharisees. And that's what we see happen kind of here is we see the Pharisees like confirm to, to the readers of the book, like our hearts are not for Jesus. And then he immediately starts teaching to this crowd in parables where, where the people who are there who are wanting to hear from him, they're wanting to listen. There might be some complexity. We even see that in the story and we'll get to it where people like ask follow-up questions and they don't understand it all necessarily right away. But but it reveals truth to them if they have the soft heart to receive what Jesus is saying. Yeah, and that's a, that's a cool distinction to know. Like the way Jesus would tell a story is either to reveal something or to conceal something. I remember like, you know, kind of reading, reading through some, sometimes when you're like, um, like I went to Bible college, which is like, I get, it's kind of a nerdy thing to do. Um, but, um, you know, it's like sometimes you could read a story and you'd be like, do you really understand do you really get it? And you're trying to be like super spiritual on like, what's the deeper meaning? And I think like, you know, part of what Jesus is actually trying to make it very clear to us, but he's trying to explain something that couldn't otherwise be easily explained in, um, in just like giving a simple answer. Maybe if I can just go out on a limb here tonight and just use the idea of the way that Jesus taught as maybe an application for our lives is sometimes we'll pray and sometimes we'll like ask God for an answer. And many times what I found is Jesus will often say, okay, well, I hear what you're praying for, but let me tell you a story. Or better yet, let me write a story. And you think of like the way that the Bible, Hebrews says in chapter 12, that he is the author and perfecter of our faith. And so like we're, we're praying and say, God, I want you to do something. Or God, I need clarity. Can you give me a yes or a no? Many times Jesus, he says, hold on, let me, let me write a story that you're gonna tell to give you the answer. And I think it's just a cool detail to understand like the way that Jesus would tell a story is that he's, he's after your story and he's after kind of writing and telling a story um, through your life. And it's not so that Jesus can take like an otherwise intellectual idea and dumb it down to something that we could understand. It's, I don't think that's the way Jesus would teach. He's not just saying like, well, I could give you an easy answer, but let me try and be deep. I don't think that's what's going on. I think Jesus is actually trying to tell us a truth that couldn't otherwise be under, easily understood in the intellect. You know, like maybe this is kind of a deep thought for you, but there are some things in your life that you can't just learn up here. You have to learn it here. And that's why like there's, there's some songs, like maybe you're a Taylor Swift fan. It just speaks to you here. 
It's because music has a way of, you know, just like getting to the heart of the issue without, you know, it's not just, it's not just intellectual. It's, it's an experience, you know, same thing. Like when, when there's a story, I, I don't think that, you know, maybe I'll say like, sometimes the hardest lessons to learn are the ones you already know. Yeah. <laughs> like you can know it here, but it takes sometimes a story or a journey or an experience to know it here and to kind of make the journey to, to understand like it's not just something that I can recite. It's not just something that I can rehearse or, um, you know, like regurgitate. It's something that actually I, I've experienced in my life and something that like there's a story um, to tell. And so that's kind of where Jesus is you know, arriving when we get to Mark chapter four is he says, you know, what's, what's the story that I can give you to describe my kingdom? And he uses four um, stories of kind of all centered around agricultural uh, metaphor, which I know is like different to us. Um, but yeah, I think that there is like, he uses the power of a seed to describe something about our faith in the kingdom of God. Yeah, I think maybe just so just so we can like all be sort of on the same page about it. The first, the very first parable, he just jumps right into it. Is just it's a the story that you might be familiar with, but it's a farmer who just is casting. He's throwing the seeds out. He's just planting seeds, and they land in in just like a variety of of areas, and they they have outcomes that are based on where they land. If maybe you wanna wanna start to speak to to. Well, I know situations. I know for a lot of people that wouldn't be something that they're familiar with. We've got it on the slide. I'd love to just read it together. Um, Mark chapter four, beginning in maybe verse four. Um, it'll be on the screen for you. But the Bible just says this, and this is the story that Jesus is, is saying. Um, he says, as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. Oh, this is kind of small. You guys squint a little bit. <laughs> Zoom in your iPhone. Or you can listen. Um, as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when, he, when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. And other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it out, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So there's like these four pictures that Jesus gives of the kind of like when, when the seed is thrown out, the soil that is um, kind of that, that each would fall on. And I think that like um, the question maybe to, to get to tonight, and really all of this was extended introduction to get to this moment right here, but to ask like where you're at tonight, like how good is the soil? And here's the idea is like, um, I know that many of us like agriculture wouldn't be something that would be our first profession or maybe our first choice. Um, and so a lot of the language is kind of lost on us, but I think more than just the metaphor being lost, um, part of like the whole idea of development is actually lost, I think, in our culture. And the idea that something would have to be developed. Like you think like we, other people make our coffee for us. And like there, you, you think of like there is um, just the way that we live is, is oftentimes so fast paced. Like we just got, we just got back from um, last night, a trip to New York celebrating our anniversary. Six years, everybody. <laughs> It's not much. It's like two Hollywood marriages, but we are proud. 
And um, I'm noticing like the uh, the 90s are back, Josh. They're back. And uh, part of the trend is like you see like stores. And I was thinking how funny it is that like you can like you. This is going to this is so old, but it's funny. It's it. You can buy clothes that look worn. And you're like, yeah, duh. But it's like you think about how funny this idea is that like in any other time in history, it would have taken you'd have you'd have to wear down your jeans to make them look that way. But instead, we just drop 80 bucks and you're like, hey, this is and what it is, is we're literally buying character. We're buying development, you know, and it's like this. I don't I don't need to wear my leather jacket to make it look that way. I just can buy it already worn in and I can buy it already developed. And you think like it's actually I think this language is it's hard for us to relate to. But but Jesus is trying to tell us something about the way that God works. And the way that God works is, is, is actually he's, he's into development. You look at the way, how did God, if I can say it this way, how did God write the Bible? Literally took thousands of years to get us this book. It wasn't just like an overnight thing. Could he have done that? Sure, certainly. He could have had one person write it from start to finish, but he didn't because he was into developing something. How does God, you know, take it another step further. How does God make a tree? Well, he doesn't just give trees. He gives seeds. And those seeds have to grow up and to develop. And this is, I think, something about the way that God would work is he's saying that it's, it's many times the kingdom of God is like a seed that's thrown out. And the first and maybe most important question is what kind of soil is that seed falling into? And the seed is, is maybe if I can say this tonight, is, is like our faith. It's like when we hear or receive the word of God, like, like tonight, it's, it's actually not enough to just hear me talk or to hear the Bible being read. There's a second step to say, like, what, like if, what kind of, like, where, where is this falling in my life? And I think there's four pictures that maybe we can provide some clarity on in this um, of, of kind of the way that this is all received. Like, you can't just, you can't just observe being a Christian. You actually have to participate in it. And like understanding or, or, or growing and becoming like mature or, or um, like growing in your walk with Jesus and knowing God on a deeper level isn't just something that we can only hear or observe or watch and spectate. We have to partake and participate and actually go through the journey of being developed or, or of God writing a story in our lives. The first one, he says, is like a, uh, one that just fell on the road and was eaten by birds. Yeah, I think I think that one especially is just like this picture where the seed gets like delivered. It's exactly it gets cast out into the farmer's land. It's exactly where it's supposed to be, but the the place where it lands isn't willing to to basically keep it safe. And it's this sort of idea that that really all of them speak to, but starting with this one that God will bring the revelation. I think you even brought that up earlier, that God is the one who reveals himself to us initially. It has to start with him. But once he brings that revelation to us, it becomes our responsibility. And, and each one of us has to be, be able to be responsible for the revelation that gets delivered to us. Uh, we have to be able to be responsible for, for where that seed is landing in us. Um, and in this first one, it, it just is very simply like, Keep like putting that revelation in a place where it can just be taken away easily and not to like make it too serious or like scary, but, but the soil or the, where the seed lands is, is just like putting it up for grabs basically. Like it's just letting the enemy come and take it away. There was no like 
there was no attempt to protect the seed that was given to it, maybe. Yeah, and I think that like it's kind of a cool thing to think about. Like the thing that was meant to to grow and to feed you actually becomes a thing that feeds others. And because we're not willing to kind of steward that or or to think like, okay, the things that I've heard um, actually become my responsibility. Like think about this. This is a crazy thought. Um, God never forgets the promises you make. And it's like you think um, I'm not I'm not trying to be like uh, whatever. But like, I just remember like you think about the, so you, so you hear a message and maybe you will respond tonight as we will hear in a moment, but like to think of like, God, I, I promise I give my whole life to you. How many of us have said that? Like we've, we've all been to the place where God, I'll do anything. I'll give anything. And, but, but we might forget that God never does. And the revelation is actually, that becomes our responsibility. And I've found that God will often be like, okay, like, let's go. And then we, what happens? We have to get in another service or we get another moment like this. God, I'm sorry. I surrender everything. And it's like, okay, it's a promise that you might make. God never forgets that. And if we're not careful, those things that were meant to develop something in us or meant to grow us or even meant to feed us can, can so easily be taken and, and stolen by the enemy or by the world or by, um, you know, other things. The second sort of soil that Jesus paints a picture of in, in the life, in the, the kind of word or the faith that's thrown out is, is of um, one that fell into gravel or to shallow ground and it might have sprouted quickly, but it, it didn't last or it didn't have enough roots to go down deeply. Yeah, I think... I think that one and the next one kind of both speak to this concept of like character, but maybe in a little bit of like two different ways where, where this, this seed where it's landing in the, in the shallow and it, it sprouts quickly, like Cody's saying, and well, like the Bible's saying, um, and burns out is, it's just like a lack of depth, very literally, right? Where it's just, it's almost, I guess a good word would be like immaturity, um, where it's landing and it doesn't have the, the depth in it for it to, to stay planted when the like elements come that will take out the, the, plant as it's growing right um and i think that that's something that like we see often in our lives or like in the same way as the first one where like god isn't forgetting our promises and and like that but but how often i think even part of that is is the same way i even now after you said that thinking about times in my life where i've said that and like 99 percent of the examples are like at some like at like a youth camp or something where i'm like so like fired up but and emotional but i'm i'm like a little kid and i'm like god i'm never gonna sin again and i'm like and i like mean it so much <laughs> in the moment but like and obviously that's dang not, it <laughs> yeah yeah dang it <laughs> but but i don't actually have the like maturity to 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 uphold that. And then when I leave the youth camp, it becomes a lot harder to still feel that way. And it, and it just sort of gets like burnt out. Like it, like it had what happens in the story. Yeah. I was, um, it reminds me like I was, um, I had gone to the coffee shop down the road that I like, and I met somebody that was from our church, um, named Patrick. And he was kind of like, I didn't recognize him, but he recognized me. He's like, you know, good morning pastor. And um, he, he had asked me, he said, Hey, you know, like, I, I always wondered, like, how do you make a message? Like, how do you, how do you write a message? And I was telling him some of my process. I've got this notes app on my phone that I call the slow cooker and I'll just throw in some ideas and I'll just let them, let them simmer. Yep. Let them marinate. Yep. Flicking the wrist. What? Um, and, uh, so 
I was telling him, and one of one of the ideas that um, is kind of been in there for a while is this idea that like um, it, it kind of comes from this story. Maybe I should have just started here. We'll cut this out of the podcast and begin that. So, so we're getting information that's in the crock pot. We're right getting now. this yes. is like the unreleased sermon. Mm-hmm, that's right, hot and ready. Um, so there's like this story I was reading about a um, a group of scientists that had tried to create the perfect environment for. Um, fruit to grow on these these fruit trees and so they created like this biodome and they had like engineered the perfect temperature the perfect water the perfect um, amount of like um, sunlight and they had tried to engineer the perfect um, environment for trees to grow and to produce the most fruit and what they found is like these trees would grow and they'd be planted and they'd grow up but um, after they had gotten a certain height they would all just end up falling over and they'd be like, okay, well, this is like actually crazy because we've tried, we've, by science consideration, we have done everything in like perfect environment to make this thing successful. And so they tweaked a couple of things and kept finding that like these trees kept growing, but they'd end up falling over and never actually getting to the place where they could bear fruit. And what they discovered was that it actually takes storms to cause trees to dig their roots down deep enough in order to grow the kind of fruit that they are called to, to produce. And we can, you know, it's like, it, it's some of you, I'm like, yeah, exactly. It'll, they'll preach. You're reading this thing. It's like some of you are already getting where we're going tonight. You're picking up what I'm laying down. And um, there's like, you know, you could try and create like the perfect atmosphere, the perfect environment, but in order for your roots to grow down deep enough, it takes something like a storm. It takes something like difficulty in order to, to produce the thing that God is place within you. And I think that you can hear many times of, of things that would happen in your life, but the goal isn't just to be comfortable. The goal is to be fruitful. And the goal is to, to live the life that God is calling you to. The thing that's uncomfortable is actually in order for the roots to get down deep enough to become that kind of person or to become the kind of, um, you know, the, the kind of thing in order to, to get us to where God is going, it takes oftentimes some struggle it takes some difficulty. It takes a storm or some conflict in order for us to go, my roots are going to go down deeper. And I think it's important to know like this, what Jesus is talking about is it's, it's actually in direct contrast to the Pharisees because it's not enough to just know the Bible. You have to root yourself in it. And how does that happen? It comes through a level of testing. It comes through a le- level of saying, man, like what this says doesn't actually match my circumstance. So when that happens, who wins, me or God? So do I actually, will I root myself in this? Will I experience it in my heart and trust God at his word? Or is it just, will I just say, you know what, forget it. Like I thought I knew it, but it obviously must not be true. And I think that one even really speaks to, to this next example that we see in the story where, where the weed, it, it, starts, it starts out right. Like the seed gets into the ground and the roots go down and the, the plant starts to grow. And it says in, in Mark that it gets choked out by the weeds, but it's really, it's this picture of, it, it, it starts off right, like I'm saying, but then there's actually just no room for the plant to grow. There's no room for it to bear fruit. And that just like even hits me, like how often does that happen in our lives where we're like are so committed at one point, we're so devoted, where it's starting off right. And then we just feel like we get to a moment in our lives where there's no more room. For, for investment. There's no more room to keep growing. There's no more room in my life for me to, to keep learning more or to keep going to church even. And it just one thing leads to another. And like what happens in the story, it just dies. 
when we when we feel like we're so full of everything else and there's actually just no room for the plant to grow even though it seems like the conditions at the start are exactly what it needs yeah and i think that like there's as far as i know there's like two things that can oftentimes choke out the things that god is trying to do in my life and i've just observed this so many times that if like if i know that like maybe i'm on a, a you know a good path towards you know really growing in my faith or encountering um, moments where I've, you know, previously, if I could say it like this, been successful in the faith journey. There's two things that oftentimes will come and try and like choke that out. The first one is bad company. And, mm, don't look, just look straight forward, okay? Just, <laughs> the second one is actually bad character. And they kind of work together, they can. But there's like, you know, oftentimes it's like it just takes getting around a few bad people, wrong people. Um, to cause like the, 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 the things that God is trying to do in your life to get choked out. I've seen, seen it time and time again. I'll just speak personally in my own life where I've seen and I've watched God try and do something in my life or maybe speak something to me or give me a conviction that none of my friends share. And oftentimes it just takes getting around people that, um, you know, that, that may not be the best or may not be um, you know, you know, what the Bible would say is like unequally yoked that can, can actually choke out the revelation that God would be given me. That's why we've talked about this before in this space, but that's why relationships and community is actually such a big deal. Um, because the way the Bible understands that is like part of like the goal to get you to become who you are called to become is the church of God. So like the space, the re we gather in spaces like this. The reason I think it's so significant is because your neighbor and the people on the row, three rows behind you, the community that we have actually help you to become the kind of person that God has called you to become. The second thing is through kind of bad character. Second Timothy or second Corinthians says that it's a guilty conscience can corrupt good faith. You thought, yeah, my faith can be so sincere, but if I'm living with a guilty conscience, it actually can choke out the things that God is trying to do. And I'll just leave that one there. Yeah, I, I like even what you were saying earlier about, about one of the other examples about like, is the goal to actually bear fruit? Yeah. And I think that really applies with this one as well, where it's like, it starts off well, but then it's almost like they don't, like the goal isn't actually for the plant to grow, right? And I think an important note here is, is that the farmer in this story, the guy who's casting out the seeds, he's actually not the person in the story who's at fault. Like, it's not his bad to, to like, reading this and being like, well, the farmer should have put all the seed in the good spot and none of it. And, that, like, that's actually not, like, the takeaway that, that Jesus would be intending here by telling this story. The point, actually, is that the farmer is awesome because he gives every part of his land an equal opportunity to bear fruit. He is equally distributing out the seed, giving out an equal amount, right, like, to go with the metaphor, like, the revelation is there for all parts of the land. It's actually up to the land to provide it with the, what it needs to grow. And, and what we see here with the, the plant that gets choked out by the weeds, it's almost like it's not, like it starts out with the right goal, but it's just not enough to say that your goal is to bear fruit. You actually have to live a life that lets you bear fruit and like allows space for, for fruit to come. Yeah. And that's where we get to the, the final one, which, is, which just says it's a good soil that actually is rooted and protected, and it bears a harvest. And what's, you know, some of these numbers can just be like whatever because none of us are farmers, and we don't know what a 30-fold harvest is. Um, 
but the idea Jesus even says is a hundredfold harvest, which is almost as like it's almost like saying like infinity. It's like beyond what we can ever imagine. And think of what Jesus would try and say. As the seed, the faith, the word of God takes root in your life, it produces something beyond what you can even imagine. It's Ephesians 3.20. It says he's able to do far above you could ever ask, think, or imagine, but it has to be developed. And like a seed, it's planted, and it actually, when it takes root, and when it begins to produce the thing in your life, by the way, it's important to know that there's no effort on the farmer's half to try and get the seed to do what it's supposed to do. There's no like, the farmer's not like going home and to dig up the seed every night and be like, I don't see anything happening, so I'm going to go try and plant it somewhere else, or I don't see anything happening, so I just need to check on it and make sure. It would, nothing would happen at that point. But sowing it and trusting that the development is happening according to the way that God has designed it, it actually produces something even beyond what we could ever think of or imagine. We spend all this time kind of talking about the first parable because it's really the key to understanding the rest of the uh, other four parables. And we're not going to do this with all the parables tonight, but I think maybe just by way of closing, I'd like to, I'd like to get to the very last part and maybe just to read two more verses together. Um, I think it could be a great, you know, really help to us and to kind of set the tone for as we kind of go into um, the next few moments and, and even through the rest of this collection, um, some important conversations coming up, talking about um, following Jesus, talking about um, what it means to, um, to, 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 to live kind of the paradox of, of following Jesus and, and, and losing your life in order to gain eternal life and talking, we'll have conversations towards the end of this season about anxiety and depression and some, you know, really important things. But right here at the start of tonight, Jesus um, kind of using that last piece, he talks about, um, maybe you've heard this before, he talks about the mustard seed. And it's important to know, like, the mustard seed, if, if I was holding one in my hand tonight, it would be nearly invisible to you. Like, you probably couldn't see it from where you're sitting unless you're a part of the front row hollerback crew tonight. Um, because it's so small, it's pretty much invisible. And Jesus says, verse, uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 30, um, he says this. He said, uh, what can we compare to the kingdom of God? What, what story should we use for it? Or what story can I tell you? When we're talking about my kingdom, when we're talking about living a life following Jesus, what story could I tell you? And Jesus says it, it's, it's like a mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds. But when it's sown, it grows up to become much larger than all the other plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. And I think, um, love to give you just a few thoughts on this. Because Jesus isn't comparing his kingdom to the seed. He's comparing his kingdom to what happens to the seed. You say, what do you mean? Well, he's not just saying my kingdom's like the smallest thing ever. No, he's saying like what starts out as small, what starts out as insignificant, what starts out as nearly invisible, when it's planted, it grows to become the biggest of anything, the, the, the greatest. Uh, and it grows so big that even the birds of the air can, can make a net or can make shelter in its, in its kind of bigness, if I can say that. And you think about what the lesson is, um, God's a God of process. He's a God of development. And it's not that like, um, 
Like when you, when you want to see God's kingdom in your life, it just starts with a little bit of faith. A little bit of faith. I love what that says. Verse 30 or 31. It's a seed, but the power of the seed only comes when it's planted. Like seeds are meant to be planted. The reason for a night like tonight is not just to have a cool night. It's meant to root you into something. Like the potential of a seed may be invisible, but when it's planted, it becomes large. And um, man, it just sounds so spiritual, doesn't it, with this little keyboard? <laughs> He's rushing me off the stage. <laughs> the same is true in your life. Um, you may be here with just a little bit of faith. You may be here just on the, like, just saying, I just, I just kind of want to check things out. Or maybe you already are a follower of Jesus and you're just saying like, you know, like I've got a small dream or I've got a small goal. I just like, I don't have a lot that I, you know, know how to do or not a lot of talent or potential. It's small, sure. But when planted, it becomes large. God is a God who takes insignificant things and uses them to do very big things. See, what starts out, we could, if we had more time, we'd show you through the scriptures. What starts out is just so small and insignificant. The power comes when it's planted. But I want to say that seeds grow in the dirt and in the dark. And there's a time of planting. If you think about what the experience of planting is like, and I think this is where many, many of us would be here tonight. Growth and planting and development, it's oftentimes unseen and it's messy. It's dark and it's dirty, but those things have a purpose. You have to let the dirt do its work. You have to let the dark do its work. It starts out as unseen, maybe times, many oftentimes unappreciated, unnoticed. There's a story that precedes this one about Jesus says that the seed, ha it grows into something while the farmer is sleeping. The lesson is the kingdom of God in your life. We don't need to try and like strive and be like, God, I want to grow. Just be planted. Just be steady. Be consistent in the way of Jesus. First Corinthians says it's God that provides the growth. Make no mistake. It's not you that's growing yourself up. It's God that's doing that. It's not you that's put breath in your lungs and causing your eyes to blink and your heart to beat and your lungs to fill with air. It's, it's God that's doing that. It's a miracle. There's a miracle of what happens when we're planted that, that there's just a moment where, where we say, God, I'm, I'm trusting in you, following in you. And the, the way of Jesus is that that produces a blessing. And this is the part I love. He says that when you're planted, and when the dark and the dirt do its work, it produces a harvest. And not just a harvest, but a harvest so large that there's this weird detail, that birds of the air take nest. You think about this, the thing that God has called you to do, or the things that God does in your life, are not just for you. They're meant to be a blessing to other people. Like your relationship with God is, is not about you. It's about others. And the, the things that God is doing in your life is, is not just for you. You think about a seed. 
a seed grows up to a tree, a tree doesn't just produce one more seed. It produces many seeds. So you could say that the potential of a seed is not just the power of another tree, but actually in every seed, there is a potential for a whole forest of trees. Beyond what we can imagine, the blessing that God would bring into our life is to be a blessing to other people. Produces a harvest to know that the growth that happens in our life is to be a refuge for those who need safety. To be a hope for people that are hopeless. 